This episode is powered by denmeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. I am Tal. I am your host and the founder of Den Meditation. I am so excited to be back with you all, excited for a great season. And to launch it and to start it, we have one of our favorites back with us, RJ Spina. If you guys remember from episode 178, and if you did not listen to it, please go back because this is a guy who was told by doctors, even after the surgeries, that he would never walk again. And he knew. He said he came into this lifetime knowing he was going to heal his body and put it back together. And he documented it and did it. And he talks all about it. And from there, he's just an amazing teacher because he teaches us a part of the ability of creating the world you want or whatever it is you want, as insane as taking a broken body and putting it back together is getting rid of this ego mind identity. And we talk a lot about that, not only in the past episode, but this episode as well. He also has a new book out, Change Your Mind, which talks about how you can actually do that. He gives you exercises and things to do to start detaching your ego mind identity. But in this episode, we get to go off on a whole ascended masters, reincarnation. And also more importantly, I think what we discuss a lot about in this episode is awareness of when you are operating from the ego mind. Because when you have awareness, we can start to shift things, right? And he talks about how it affects how we manifest, how we create the inability to get what you want because you're not creating from the pure place of you. You're creating from an ego mind. We talk about service and help, why we get burnt out when we are operating from our ego mind. Let us know what you think. Drop a line, give us a follow, and enjoy the season. First of all, let's get to a really benign question. How are you? I know you've moved. How is the move? How are the basic human life things going for you? It's it's fantastic. It's been an absolute uh, whirlwind, uh, to say the least, <clears throat> with uh, many different things going on uh, personally and professionally. But the move, we could not be happier. We absolutely love where we are and we're in Arkansas. Would you have thought growing up you were going to live in Arkansas? Never. Never. And it's ironic because I've lived everywhere. I mean, I really have lived everywhere from Berlin, Santa Fe, Kauai, New York, Colorado, Los Angeles, um, San Diego, San San Diego. What we hear when we live in places like San Diego or Santa Fe is, uh, you know, that middle America or the South is behind is you know the last place you'd ever want to be i'm i'm telling you right now this is the place to be absolutely the energy is so different we were talking about this uh yesterday with a friend of ours here that there's nothing to work against mm. so when you live in places like california new york there's the energy is is not as conducive to actually to actually manifest things because you're working against all what I would call the electromagnetic interference or all the brainwashing conditioning is much, much heavier on those type of areas. And when you come here, the, the, there isn't that kind of resistance. And you find that people are, I've, I've found, or we found that people are much more genuine, much more open. Uh, there, there's, there's no artifice. 
Mm. And total, it's true. Total strangers come up to you and just start talking to you in the most real and sincere way. And I, I cannot tell you how absolutely refreshing mm. and beautiful that I find that. So I, I feel like we, you know, we, we found our home. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. Well, congratulations. That's Thank amazing. You. Thank you. You know, on that note, when you're talking about manifestation is easier in a place like that. That's interesting because I know you talk about, especially in your book too, that part of the reason it's hard for people to manifest is because the ego mind gets in the way. So I see what you're saying when you live somewhere like in a city or there's just busier, it's like, it's harder mm -hmm. to balance that ego mind to then allow the purity of where it is and what you want through. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the short way to look at that is uh, when you live in an area that is densely populated, it is much more difficult to, to align yourself to your true signal and your true frequency because everyone is emitting the mm. lower frequency conditioning and brainwashing of the matrix or whatever word, whatever word you want to call it. Um, and when you're in a less densely populated area, there's just less of that being emitted and it's tangible, especially for people that are more evolved or that are sensitive. I mean, we're drawn to certain areas for a very specific reason. We were drawn to Arkansas for a very specific reason. And it's the reasons that we're, we're talking about right now. So when there's densely populated, unless everyone is, you know, liberated and self-realized and that, that kind of thing. Not there yet. <laughs> right. So uh, event eventually, but so th that's emitting a very specific low frequency, which is associated with body consciousness, which is identification with the body and therefore the data stream that comes in through the five senses. So it's very low frequency. Low frequency is the tail end of how manifestation really works and how healing really works. I mean, they're directly interconnected. So when you move into an area that's less densely populated, that has less of the societal conditioning and brainwashing in the sense that there's less people there and less people adhering to it. So it naturally feels a higher frequency and we manifest through who we are, not what we want. As mm. people understand that we manifest based upon who we are, not, not what we want. That has nothing to do with it, actually. So it's just much more, much more conducive to that in Arkansas is just amazing. And that's then that part of what I'm talking about is why I moved to Kauai. to one of the more remote Hawaiian islands, not Oahu or Maui, but Kauai, which is the oldest Hawaiian island. I moved there right after, uh, I mean, I had healed myself of paralysis, and but I had moved there for some of these very reasons. That's the highest frequency on the planet. If people don't know that Kauai is the highest frequency on the planet. And I spent a year and a half there. Uh, I actually wrote two books there that haven't even come out. They will come out, but I wrote two books there. I wanted to be in the highest frequency environment because it's most conducive to a high frequency being. And so we're all high frequency beings and spending time there and making a home in an area like Arkansas. And there's, there's plenty of other places. It's not just Arkansas, but it feels right. And because it feels right, you're able to operate more in alignment with who and what you are. And that's actually how healing and manifestation really works is, is being in alignment with who you really are, not based upon what it is that you want. And talk about, so for people who are in kind of densely populated areas, how you quiet it so you can be reacquainted with who you are. Yeah. Detachment. I mean, detachment is, is king and queen. Uh, so not identifying <clears throat> with what we are the awareness of. So we are the awareness, not what we are aware of. And so when we start to become detached, we won't identify with the concepts, beliefs, ideologies, and roles 
that have formed our ego mind identity. Now, that's how we can align ourselves with who and what we really are. And that's how manifestation truly works. So it's going to be through detachment, not getting caught up in what everyone is doing and what everyone is thinking and what your neighbors are saying and what your, your, your business partners are talking about, what your children, what your mom and dad. Detachment is the key because we are in a low frequency environment and we are a supremely high frequency being. So we only feel like ourselves when we are detached. We still enjoy ourselves. We enjoy our friends. We enjoy the experience, but we never lose ourselves in it. Just like the painter is not painting. So through detachment, mm. your energy that you, your energy that you're using to stick to concepts, beliefs, ideologies, roles, and experiences, including the body, that keeps you low frequency and tethered to our local environment because the the body mind is attuned to and part of the local environment. What we are is not. What we are is a fractal of God. So as we detach, the energy comes back. We're not tethered to anything low frequency, which is the collapsing of consciousness and the constriction of energy. So when the energy comes back to us, we automatically align body, mind to who and what we are. And those high frequencies are much more uh, effective and powerful in terms of manifestation and creating the life that we, that we truly desire that is truly reflective of who we really are before we even got here. That's, and I, I couldn't agree with that more. And I do find it fascinating because sometimes, first of all, A, it seems like some people are born a little bit with the ability of detachment more than others. Like some, I feel like really have to learn it um, because they struggle with that idea. And some, I think, are born already with kind of this idea of like, I'm not defined by these things. Like you, I mean, you were a very rebellious kid, right? And you're like, you're, you were like this, like no one can define you with anything. And then you had to learn to operate your way through it. Um, but how it's interesting, do people like that sometimes also get lost in the lack of defining in the, in the realms of a human earthly world? Do they get lost sometimes not knowing what to do or how to move forward? Well, we, there, what, what normally happens is we're all conditioned and brainwashed. And so what's driving our behavior is our pattern subconscious egoic mind. So our desires are based upon the information that's floating, floating around here within our realm, which has nothing to do with, with the real you, has nothing to do with it. So in the beginning, all of, our, all of our desires, all of our thoughts, emotions, actions, behaviors are really at the behest of societal conditioning and brainwashing. So that's what's, that's what's driving us, and which is why many people who achieve their goals that they got from this realm, once it's achieved, it feels empty and meaningless. Right. And that's how you know that that desire was not born of you. Mm. That's how you know. So when you've actually done it, whatever that, whatever that it is, you've accomplished it and you're like, uh, uh, I, I, it means nothing to me. Well, exactly, because that was not your desire. That's your conditioned mind. So once we start to become untethered through working with ourselves optimally, and all my teachings and books, from my perspective, lay out very specifically and tangibly how to operate optimally and properly. So you start to detach from societal conditioning and brainwashing, identifications with concepts, roles, ideologies, beliefs, experiences, bodily sensations, and so on and so forth. You start to realign with yourself. Now, in that process, what I found for people is this sort of ambiguous, and I think this is what you're alluding to, Tao, there's almost like this void state that mm. we're in because everything that was important to our ego mind identity previously 
is has now been a, a light has been shined on and it's no longer important. We no longer resonate with any of these things because we're waking ourselves up. Now, before we align with our true self, we're in this, I don't want to say disconnected state because that's that's not the right words. No, but you're literally hitting it because I was yeah. trying to ask a question of feeling disconnected, knowing yeah. you're not disconnected. Right, right. No, you're never, you're never disconnected. No one is ever disconnected. It's actually impossible, right? Well, do my silly analogy. The octopus drops a tentacle down to see what the water is like. So we are a tentacle of our higher self. The higher self is an aspect of God. No one is ever disconnected. Now we can feel, there's no doubt about it. We can feel disconnected when we're no longer uh, adhering or operating at the behest of our pattern subconscious egoic mind. And it takes a while and it's different for everybody. It takes a while to sort of allow ourselves to completely and utterly reside within, as, for, and by ourself with a capital S. And once that starts to take place, our innate talents and abilities, passion, what we're excited about, will start to take over. And it comes from within. And then at that point, there's no stopping you because now your motivation is coming from an endless source as opposed to your more your motivation being given to you from from exteriors. So once once we go through that amorphous kind of void disconnected state, if we can stick with that for a little while, we will realign body mind to the I am to who who and what we really are, and naturally what we're truly passionate and excited about, which is often related to our talents and abilities, will start to come online. And once we're connected in that way, that's that's a motivation that, that can't be stopped and never dies because it's coming from that infinite source, which is you. And so if we can, if, if anyone who's in that state or going through that process, just relax, you're, you're, you're on the way. You're absolutely on the way. And just let what you're truly passionate about come to you. Let it waft up and let it inform the mind. Don't reach out and grasp, which is an ego mind identity favorite pastime. That's interesting. Yeah, let it come up. Literally let it come up. And the aroma of the self will literally waft up and the mind will get a whiff of it. And you'll, you'll start to feel like yourself. And that's where the passion, a determination, uh, excitement, joy, that's where it comes from. And whatever you are passionate, excited, joyful, and determined about, that's the real you. And don't ever let go of that. Follow that to the, to the end of time. <laughs> I mean, it's so interesting because I think <clears throat> so many of us let go of that stuff, but I like what you said. Don't grasp. And did you mean don't grasp it? There's two ways the grasping could be when stuff starts coming up. Is it don't grasp looking for it? Or is it as it comes up, don't grasp and have to then integrate it entirely into your life? Well, whatever you chase <laughs> runs away. Right. Right. So who and what we really are, that is what we are. There's nothing to there's nothing to reach out for. It's you. So if we're reaching out for something, that's that's born of separation. That's born of a subject object paradigm, which is the conditioned mind, that there's something outside of me that I have to figure out and reach for and and acquire, obtain, and become. Okay, that's the illusion. We're all whole, perfect, and complete as we are. We never give ourselves the opportunity to actually tangibly realize this because we're too busy with the conditioned mind, reaching for things, acquiring, becoming, fixing, all these kind of aspects that have nothing to do with the whole complete I am, the divinity, who and what we are. So when we let go, when we detach of these things, we're not going to be motivated. The inner motivation mm. will come online if we're simply patient enough 
and courageous enough to let the self really emerge. And like I said, it's, it's a, it's, it's an, it's an aroma. I love the, self, the aroma analogy. Yeah, that, that, that's what it is. And it will, it will tangibly waft up and it will inform your mind. And all of a sudden you'll have this inspiration and you'll be like, I want to do this or you know, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. I want to do this. And you'll realize there's no grasping that everything is, is coming from within and you're expressing it. Now, the pattern subconscious mind works the exact opposite way. Everything is outside of you and you're trying to grab a hold of it, control it, manipulate it. That's how you know that's, that's not you. The real you, and this is alchemy, you allow it to come out. And what you're doing is you're expressing the, the, the many aspects, the unlimited aspects of the I am. And so there's nothing to grasp because we are, we are the I am. We are the fractal of God. If we can give ourselves the opportunity to align mind, body with it, you'll realize that there is no grasping, that everything is an act of creation based upon this connection to this, to this I am. And that's why I said manifestation is not based upon what you want. Manifestation is based upon who you are, how aligned is body, mind to the real you. And then you're simply bringing out what's inside you and it gets reflected in the outer world because once you align yourself with that, that's a very specific frequency. <clears throat> all the energies of the so-called material world will align themselves and be drawn onto you based upon the frequency matching. So that's really, but we also have to take action. I'm sort of, uh, if you just let me ramble here for a minute. I'll always I, let you ramble. I, I, <laughs> it's frustrating for me when I see people teaching manifestation and all this kind of stuff, this law of attraction and this, and, and then they get some of it right. And they talk about that you don't have to do anything. Everything will just be drawn to you. This is absolute nonsense. Nonsense. You don't manifest anything not through action. This is, this is wrong. It's a missing element. I see lots of people talking about this. You have to take action. That's the signal to the universe that you're in alignment is the action that you take. Not just sitting on your mm. couch. You've, you've, you've let go of your ego mind identity. You've done all this. And now this idea that I, I'm just going to magnetically draw everything will be drawn onto me. That's part of it. That's not the whole thing. We have I, to take actions, desire, intention, thought, emotion, <laughs> action, and behavior. All seven of those things have to be in alignment for us to manifest as powerfully as we possibly can. So funny. I go off on the same rant, like in my classes a lot of times. No, because I'm, it's, I always say like, you have to live your life. You actually have to put one foot in front of the other. Like as magical as this world is, that part is your responsibility. <clears throat> I mean, you literally did that. Um, <clears throat> but it's like, I said the same thing. I'm like, cause one could sit there lazy watching TV all every single day and being like, sorry, no one gave me the job I want today. So it's obviously not meant to be. I'm like, you could live that life the whole time and do nothing. I go, it, it, and I always say that too. I'm like, it is a combination of creation and manifestation, but you have to step into it and you have to try and you have to act. So I agree with you. So talk a little bit more about that. Cause I think then what's the balance for people of, you know, cause what you don't want to get into. And I know you, you talk about this is not getting to the point where you're pushing a boulder up a hill where you're forcing a creation. Um, but what is that balance of action and, you know, self-creation through, you know, who you actually are? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Okay. Uh, we can give it some context. We'll give it context first. And we've talked about this before. The order of creation is I experience it directly is desire, intention, thought, emotion, action and behavior. 
Say that again so everyone can write it down. Sure. Okay. So (laughs) even though I know you don't like when people write stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Okay. I want them to be present. Yeah. Okay. So desire, then intention. And this is also the order frequentially. So desire is the the high desire is what sets creation into motion. Okay. We've heard in spiritual circles of desire is the enemy. No, it isn't. There, there is no evolution and there's no creativity without desire. Sorry. The key is to have the desire born of the real you and not of your programmed mind. That's, that's really the key. Okay. So mm. creation is desire, then intention. And intention is the harnessing of your will, your energy, right? Then thought, then emotion, then action, then behavior. Now, all of the, yeah, go ahead. Talk. It's interesting. Yeah. Talk about how thought is before emotion. Yeah. So if we, if we looked at the mental body and the emotional body, we would be able to see that the, that the mental body is just beneath the astral body. And frequentially speaking, it is quote unquote higher. There's no higher or lower, but frequentially speaking, the, the, the mental body is above. It's all one thing, but so I I don't want to make it confusing for people, but in terms of this, here's the image. The slinky going that we're, we're, I'm old enough. Yeah. I think you, you know what I mean? So the slinky. Right there with you. <laughs> right. Okay. So the slinky going down the stairs, right? The very, the very top would be desire. The next, the next step down that the slinky, your energy comes down is intention. And the next one down is thought. The next one down is emotion. Now, when we have a thought, doesn't matter what the thought is. When we have a thought, yep. we don't take action, Tal, on any thought until we have bathed that thought with identification by identifying ourself with the thought. Now that action is energy in motion. So we emotionalize the thought by bathing it in energy through identification. Once we have identified ourselves with a thought, the body becomes sufficiently charged to take action. So if we just have a random thought, which is why we just have random thoughts, we don't really do anything about most of the random thoughts in our head. But when we have a thought in our head and we identify with it, we see that as us. We then bathe it with energy through identification. That's the emotionalization. And now the, now the physical vehicle is sufficiently charged to take action. And the actions that we repeat become our behavior. So I hope that makes sense. So then what we want to do is have our desire born of who and what we really are, right. not our conditioned mind. And the only way to do that is through detachment. And Change Your Mind, the, book, the, the second book, lays out a very powerful, robust process to understand how to do this. It's much easier, than people, much easier than people think once you, once you understand it. Very <laughs> easy to do. Now, it is the union or unification with the self and all of, now your desire, intention, thought, emotion, action, behavior all comes from the self. It's all expressions of the self. So when it's coming directly from that, the manifestation will start to take place when we not only have that unification in the doing state, but we have that unification in the resting state. And this is part of the key that I want humanity to start to understand. Most of us think, and that's just a thought, but most of us think that it's only through action do we manifest? No. Just like just like not taking any action, we're still going to manifest. No. And some people think that, and that's just a thought, some people think that only through doing do we manifest. It's both. It's both. That's why I said you have to have the whole thing. So when we have this unification in the resting state and the doing state, 
So we're emanating a very specific song, a very specific frequency, even when we're on the couch. And that doesn't change when we're actually in our doing mode. So those two things, understanding that in the resting state and the doing state. Now, what I've been teaching recently is I kind of remove both of those and don't even see them as separate. Don't even see resting and doing as two different things. Just see them as aspects of the self of the I am. And we maintain this frequency or unification with our desire, intention, thought, emotion, action, behavior with the self, even in the resting state and doing state. And now see resting state and doing state as just one thing, just like breathing. We talk about inhaling and exhaling. Don't see them as separate. See them as one thing. Mm. One needs One needs the other and creates the other. So start to understand resting and doing is just one state of being. And if we never change our frequency, the only thing that the outer world can do is mirror and amplify that. And that's how you, that's how you supercharge. <laughs> that's how you supercharge manifestation and healing. I have two questions off of that. Mm -hmm. So the middle part is identification. And so talk about how, because so much of what you also teach is how to unidentify, right? Yeah. So much of change your mind is how you get rid of these identifications and you get rid of kind of, so talk about the difference of when you're doing it from the pure form versus the process of actually trying to relieve yourself from identifications. There, it's, okay. So there's no character. There's no personhood. When, when you are aligned with who and what you really are, there's no character that's performing the actions. There's no identification. There's oneness that flow, it flows right through you. So that's really the dif that's the difference. And we all know what this is like. So it's the starting point. Yeah, we all know what this is like when we're in the zone, in the flow, flow state, whatever word we're, you know, we wanna call it, right? We all know what that's like. Anytime we're being creative, any, any creative act, we all know what it's like when we're cooking, dancing, playing an instrument, painting. And you feel making, it. Making love. When we are so utterly engrossed, engulfed in what we're doing, we lose the false self. So there is no identification. There's no character. There's right oneness. There. And so that's, that's how you know you're working properly with yourself. There is total oneness all the time. The identification towel comes in because it's not born of you. So there's the character identifying with the concept of belief, a role, an ideology, something like that. And so that's the identification. When we're working with the self directly, there is no identification. It is a perpetual flow state. And therefore, there's no character who's identifying with anything. It's pure, unadulterated, high-frequency manifestation creativity. It's almost like bad analogy, but it's almost like that's the part where you're taking the energy in and it's just assimilating into your machinery. Yep. And that's the identification more than you actually putting any Honda, Toyota, or anything on it. It's... It's just right. like your machine, right? And so, yeah. and because it starts from this pure place, it, it's like you almost don't even have to do that part of the process. You, you, you got it. And one way to know you're, you're working, from my perspective, working optimally is, is that you're already at peace. High octane. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're already at peace. Okay, so if, if we're not at peace until we get the result, then we're, mm. not op we're not operating optimally, okay? And that's most likely, that desire, most likely, is born of the pattern subconscious egoic mind and not really from you because the real you is perpetually at peace. The real you is whole and complete. It's immortal. It's a fractal of God. Lacks nothing, doesn't want anything, just enjoys experiences because it's immortal. So 
we need to be at peace first. And I'll get the analogy that I've, I, what's not an analogy, how I explain this is that when, uh, when I first woke up from uh, emergency surgery, I, was, I think it was the next day, um, that's when the neurosurgeon, I had already told everyone I'd heal myself in 100 days and all this kind of stuff. But then the next day, the neurosurgeon comes in and says, hey, just so you know, you know, you're, you can't, you're never going to get better. I've been doing these operations for 25 years. Your, your spine is so damaged. You know, you can't get better. It's absolutely impossible. So I had already announced, like I said, well, I'm going to do this and do that. Is that him feeling like he was telling a kid, like, I'm so sorry, you're never going to be able to win yeah, this. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, yeah, he didn't want me to think that I would, yeah. I would ever be able to walk or be healthy, you know, either one of those things. So, but uh, what I want to share about this, what's important about this is that I then told my friend who was there and the infectious disease doctor who was in there, I said, just, just so you know, I am going to walk. A hundred percent. I'm going to walk. And even if I don't, I'm at peace with everything. Mm. Now it's the Tal, it's those two things. Now the ego mind identity can't do that. It can't do that. The ego mind identity is never at peace. It's programmed because of the slave mentality to be productive and achieve something. And then once that achievement is made, it's empty. Can Start I interrupt for a second? Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And I never, only because I find that because yes, the idea of like, you need to be at peace first is a great signal, like for manifestation, if you're there or not. But what you're talking about, that small little space is, I would think really hard for most people. Because most people, let's say they have a lofty goal like that, like, nope, I have to walk again. In their mind, they can't even fathom the idea of not walking again, because then that goes against any motivation of putting it forward, right? But you're talking about that that's almost not the right way to do it because if you're, which I think we see all the time and people will say, like when you look in, you know, documentaries where people are like, it just wasn't an option. Like there was never an option that X wouldn't happen. That's just what I would do. So talk about that. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I do think it's so interesting because so much of what we're taught is like, don't even put that thought in there because if you put that thought in there, you're allowing that to be a possibility. Okay. What you said is also true. So this this is where it gets. This is much more higher consciousness uh, uh, and light to understand. But you and uh, I do when we talk. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I'm I'm interested at, to work at the highest levels and share that with humanity. Right. Okay. So at the highest levels, the I am who who and what we are is whole and complete, and it's always at peace. Now there there is this ability to be at peace and still harness your desire intention for a goal. Okay. So here's the analogy that I use. Besides, that's exactly what I said. And that's exactly the truth. I'm at peace now. And my determination is very inhuman to get things done. Right. But I'm at peace right now. So what that means is I am enjoying the process because it's all an act of creativity. In other words, it's all playtime. Even unparalleling yourself or whatever. It's all playtime. It's all the I am manipulating and commanding energy, which is just playtime and creativity. So hmm. the silly analogy is when we get in the car, we're going to go to the store. We put the GPS in the, in the car to go to the store, right? Okay. We know that we're going to get there. So we can allow ourselves to enjoy the ride because we know we're going to end up at the store. We're not freaking out when it says turn left here. Oh, oh we got to turn left, right? You're going to turn left right now. Relax. Merge onto the highway. Holy cow, we got to merge onto the highway. I don't know if I got... Relax. 
relax, follow the inner guidance system, follow the intuition, follow the GPS and enjoy the ride. Be present every single moment. And that's how you're at peace by being present every single moment while being in the act of creativity with no identification to an end result. With no identification to an end result, this allows you to create at the highest levels perpetually while simultaneously being at peace. While simultaneously being at peace. Now, only the true self can do that. The, the, the conditioned pattern subconscious mind cannot hold two seemingly contradictory uh, understandings at the same time. Right. The, it is everything is result oriented for the slave mentality, for the conditioned mind, right? And then we achieve that one thing and then we do it. And we're like, okay, what next? Right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the opposite. I'm talking about being present, enjoying the entire process with complete and other faith that your desire intention will manifest itself because you never deviate. If you keep following the, the instructions, the directions from the GPS to, to get to the store, you're going to get there. You're going to get there, right? Because the destination, <clears throat> and, then I'll, and then I'll shut up. No, 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 the, keep talking. It's just, you know, me have a million questions. Because the destination is already within you. Whatever you desire is given, they come from the same place. They come from the mighty I am. And this, this is alchemy. We are bringing out what's already in. We're bringing out into the outer world what's already in. So once you tangibly know that and can feel that, you can be at peace the whole time that you're creating based upon your desire and intention for walking or for whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But that's the key, to be at peace while still having desire and intention for a specific end result through non-identification to the end result. Right. And it's the non-identification to the end result, which I find is the sticky point because so much of, and I get it. So keep talking about it because you're so brilliant. Because when you're coming from the place of purity, like you're saying, when the desire comes from your true self, that's where the identification doesn't become an issue. But it's so interesting of if you're already kind of putting yourself in like, I know this is going to happen. Talk about how you're not identifying with it. And I get it. Is it just the act of being present through the journey or is there something else? Okay. Great question. So we talked about unification. Desire, intention, thought, emotion, action, behavior with the self. It's all one thing, total unification. Now there's no subject object. There's no way to have an identification because it's all one thing. There's no identifying with an end result <clears throat> because the fulfillment of the desire is already within you. There's no identification. Mm -hmm. There's no false character who's identifying with something outside of itself in terms of an end result. Say that that's, again. That, well, that's, that's why I say the ego mind identity can't do it. Right. It can't. So, so when you have I start to smash it first. Yeah. The ego mind identity is the only obstacle from self-realization, enlightenment, the manifestation of every goal, to complete unification with God, the other gods that exist. It's only the ego mind identity that's the block. That's it. Now, when the inner critic, the voice inside your head, is eternally silenced, and that is what happens upon authentic excuse me, self-realization and enlightenment are the same thing. It's complete unification with your higher self. So when the tentacle is in complete union with the octopus itself, God realization is when you're completely unified, even past you and that the, the higher self 
which is your an aspect of two and a half percent of your higher self is when is it unified with what created that and that's god consciousness and there's there's, there's things past that that i teach in my self-mastery course so there's no separate self who's identifying with anything because it's just an expression an act of creativity of the full and complete mighty i am so you're simply just bringing out what's already in and the whole thing is playtime and so you're not tied to an end result because you're fully present and you realize that the the end result is already within you you're just bringing it out and the whole thing is an act of creativity the whole thing so we manifest based upon who we are not what we want the more attuned aligned we are with the true self the more the outer world will reflect that the i am is infinite abundance it's unlimited it's infinite no more nonsense of a, you're very spiritual you're supposed to be broke and have that this is complete and utter <laughs> brainwashing the i am is infinite abundance like god so when we align ourselves with that we realize that it's within us and then the more that we tangibly recognize and can experientially <clears throat> get in contact with that, the more the outer world will reflect that. So there's no identification to anything because you're simply bringing out more of you. And that's, that's how you do it. it. It's the separate self that identifies with something outside of itself. And it's chasing that. It's trying to acquire. It's trying to become. That's the illusion. That's the ego mind identity. And to, to manifest powerfully, you can't have an ego mind identity because that's the, that's the collapsing of consciousness and the constriction of energy or alignment with the true self or the mind I am is the exact opposite. It is the expression and creativity of the unlimited nature of God, because we are a fractal of God. And when we operate that way, there's no identification. It's just playtime. We are simply creating based upon who we are, not what we want. Now, playtime, <clears throat> excuse me, can be anything, correct? So mm -hmm. let's take this to a little bit of a morose area. I know we're not supposed to put any identity, but like, I mean, that same thing applies really to anything. Like you're basically saying they're all equal manifestations of who we are and you can play and show that in every element because I am encompasses all. So, I mean, I know not <clears throat> everyone likes to hear it, but that is, talk about that's also why there's a version of like good and evil if we want to use those words or there's the spectrum of everything. So if someone comes and chooses to, you know, experiment more in ways that maybe, and, and talk to me if this sounds correct or not, in other lifetimes they haven't, maybe they want to come and see what it means to be, you know, more of the world of entrapment or manipulation or murder or any of that stuff, they can, same thing, identify with the I am and create whatever playing field they want within that as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all an active creativity and it's all by design. Every single moment that you have had, are having, and will ever have is an act of co-creation. Victimhood is only born of the unawakened mind. When we view things from a very incredibly limited human perspective, we understand nothing, including what gave birth to the human experience, right? So we need to, from my perspective, we need to look at what gives birth to beginnings and endings. What gives birth to beginnings and endings? What gives birth to the incarnation, right? Why, why do we choose lifetimes of, we'll just call it darkness. Mm -hmm. Why do we choose lifetimes of darkness? Because it's available, because there's a lot to learn from. It. Okay, we are, we are set forth, we are projected to explore the minutia, the minutia of God's multiverse and God's multiverse is within God. 
So part of our objective, part of our uh, directive is to explore the minutia of God, which includes the lower frequencies of the physical universe, which are the only places we can have so-called darkness or experiences of darkness. And so, of course, we want to see what that's like, because one, we're immortal. And it doesn't really touch us. It affects the mm-hmm. body mind. There's no doubt about that. I was paralyzed. There's no doubt that it affects the, the body mind. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying at all. But what you are is not the body mind. It doesn't touch you at all. The minute someone dies, let me just add this, Tal. The and minute no. the minute someone dies, and there's no death, the minute someone dies or leaves their body, I promise you, you are going to look back at your body with complete and utter indifference. Because the remembering will now be present as to who and what you actually are. That you've been wearing a suit and having an experience of limitation by incarnating into the lower frequencies of the physical universe. And in that moment of leaving your body, you'll realize that was a suit, that was a character, that was an interesting experience. That's, and that's all this is. That's all this is. But this is the lower, the, when I say it, this, the lower frequencies of the physical universe is the only place that we can have these experiences and they're vital because without challenges, we don't really grow. So we come here to explore the minutia and to give ourselves challenges to see ourselves in the act of overcoming these things because the evolutionary growth comes from the challenge. So the higher degree of difficulty, the greater the reward. The reward is the deepening of our reservoir of love and wisdom whose subsets are our talents and abilities. That is, that's evolution. And that's what, that's the mandate to know thyself and all thy infinite potential. So we come here because it's so difficult. It's like doing a high dive, triple backwards, somersault flip, right? This is so difficult. You do it well. You get a high score. You, you, you lead an incarnation where you align yourself with who and what you are. You are deepening your reservoir of love and wisdom whose subsets are talents and abilities. That is evolution. That's the point. And so we have the opportunity to evolve more by incarnating into the lower frequencies of the physical universe instead of going up on the diving board and just doing a swan dive. That's way too easy, way and easy to master. There's no growth there. If you want to become a better high diver, you've got to do those backward, triple, you know, whatever the hell they're called, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's how you get better at it, right? You just keep doing a swan dive. Well, that's easy. Are you actually getting better? No. Are we deepening our reservoir of love and wisdom whose subsets and talents and abilities when, when we don't have a challenge? No. And that's why everyone is here, to give themselves the challenge. And part of the challenge is the so-called darkness. And explain to people that the way I take that, and I may be wrong, so re-explain it, is that you're talking about from the position of being the soul. So when the lifetime of darkness, let's say, is over you have evolved so much to get to this place of understanding love and evolution. So it's not so much in the lifetime itself. It's when that lifetime is over now as your soul, you're expanding and expanding. Okay. It's happening concurrently. Yes. Yes. It's happening concurrently. So let's forget before and after, because there is no before and after. Right. Timelines always trip us up. Now, if we identify with the ego mind identity, the human character, we're not going to have this perspective and we're not understanding that we gave ourselves these challenges and we're not understanding that we're actually evolving. Now, the key from my perspective is to wake up, realize this is a dream. And in a dream, you can do anything that you want. 
We are dreaming the human experience because it's not who and what we really are. And when you actually wake up, enlightenment, whatever word you want to use, you then realize that you can manipulate the energies in this dream any way that you seem or deem fit. So the key is to wake up to that and mm -hmm. realize what is actually going on. Now, if we keep the, the contraction and collapsing of consciousness and the constriction of energy by identifying with the suit and therefore the very limited five physical senses and the data stream that comes in, which is what forms the intellect, which actually perceives about this much of who and what we are and this much of the greater reality, we're never going to understand what I'm talking about. Never. Because that character isn't capable of understanding what I'm talking about. The real you knows everything that I'm saying resonates with everything that I'm saying because it's a remembrance. I simply remember because I've shed the, I've shed the facade of the ego mind of self realization whatever word you want to use. So this is a remembering, which is why these teachings resonate so deeply because everybody already knows this. The real you knows this. Your human character doesn't know anything other than, other than what it's been brainwashed into believing to be real and true. Is the word empathy a human incarnated word for remembrance? Oh, wow. Good, great question. Is the word empathy? No. Well, I don't like using the word no. I, I would say it's more. It's more. <laughs> I appreciate because that. <laughs> e because every viewpoint is true. That's why. Because every viewpoint is true, right? When people ask me, RJ, what is the truth about this? I said, well, I'll tell you what my perspective is. But every viewpoint is accurate and true, right? There's 8 billion people here and everyone thinks what they do is right. Because they are from that specific viewpoint. Okay. So. I've been, I, teaching I about that. I've been teaching about that these past yeah. few weeks about truth and how if you widen the lens just a little bit, you just keep bringing in more truth. And it doesn't mean what you had wasn't truth. It's just now you have more information or feeling or emotion. And so keep going. That's been a yeah. lot of what we've been talking about. Yeah, a greater perspective of self and the one self within us all. Yeah. Right. That's what we're talking about. So I would say empathy is more of the tangible recognition of the one self within us all. Now, can you do that as an incarnate without experiencing lifetimes of understanding the other elements? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's our natural state. It's our natural state. We are, it's called a collective consciousness for a reason, right? It's all, it's all one thing, having a temporary experience of, of individuality or separation, but it, it's not. Right. I don't know if you've heard me do the ridiculous cookie dough analogy. If you make all the cookie dough, you put everything in there, right? And you get your cookie sheet and you start taking the cookie dough out. And then pretty soon you have all these separate cookies on a cookie sheet. Well, one minute ago, they were all one. Okay. Same with us. Same. We just forgot. We've so identified with right. this moment as a separate being in a body that we forgot that we're literally all one thing. So I would say empathy is the recognition of the oneself within us all. And I don't think that takes, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't seem to me as I look at it, it doesn't seem to me that requires anything other than what we talked about when we first started speaking, detachment. If you stop, if you stop seeing something from a singular perspective, right, which is, which is your ego mind identity, if you stop seeing it from that, and you're simply present, you'll recognize that what's in that person that you're talking to is the same thing that's in you. And so empathy happens automatically. It doesn't really require anything. The truth doesn't require an effort. Mm. Lie, lies do. Mm. Oof, I just got chills on that. <clears throat> so that, that's, it'll just happen naturally.
And all this is about being present. All this happens by being present. And to be present, you have to be detached, right? No more past, future, past, no more torturing yourself with your own imagination because of the identification with your conditioned mind. Whatever it takes to become effortlessly present, I strongly advise every human being to put in as much self-control and self-discipline to whatever it takes to effortlessly be present because every single facet of your life will improve by an order of magnitude. And to be present doesn't actually even require an effort. All the effort is in, is in conjuring up your own suffering through creating a past and a future, which is your conditioned mind. So when we're present, the empathy will flow. The oneness will be tangible and you'll see yourself in others. And when you see yourself in others, what harm can you do? So there's no correlation, or maybe there is, of how many times you've incarnated to how easy it is for detachment or attachment. Like sometimes you could just come in here and just be having a rough one that you're struggling to reconnect with your source. Now, remember, we give ourselves, no, there, there isn't. So we could have a soul that is, remember, every soul, <clears throat> just like every raindrop is different, every grain of sand is different, every snowflake is different, every soul is different. It's all God, but it's not the same. Okay, it's not the same. So this is obvious, right? We can talk to someone and we can feel their, their presence, their, we'll say their level of love and wisdom, right? And that's not going to be the same as somebody else because it's not supposed to be. God created through variance, not homogenization. It's all God, but it's wildly different. Wildly different. The sentience that is me is wildly different than my neighbor. And my neighbor's sentience is wildly different than our next neighbor. That's how it's supposed to be. So it more has to do with how attuned and aligned we are with that truth, with the true self. Because then there's no struggle. There's no struggle. Now, we give ourselves challenges, paralysis, whatever, whatever the hell it is, doesn't really matter. We give ourselves these challenges, but the suffering is gone. The suffering is gone when we start to work this way. There are some highly sentient souls that are choosing to have an incarnation completely detached from that. And, and uh, right, they're choosing to do that because it's an incredible experience to be consumed by the ego mind identity. And these can be highly evolved souls, just like there are souls that are not quite as sentient, are choosing to have a very uh, aligned lifetime. And the, the level of love and wisdom, the amount, the level, the depth of the love and wisdom can be wildly different. But it's the attunement and the alignment to that is really the key. And that's not contingent upon how many incarnations. That really has nothing to do with it. That's really interesting. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with it. Because one of the questions I was going to ask, you know, when we talked last time about how your childhood and you were like, you know, you struggled a little bit until you met that um just man, right? He was a friend that kind of like got your ass in gear. And I was going to ask like, how often do like ascended, and I know it's not often, or might you tell me that like an ascended being or an ascended master decides to reincarnate and can they lose themselves in the process? Uh, good question. Okay. So uh, ascended masters continue to reincarnate and it's based upon it's based upon what is needed at the moment. So uh, the two most active ascended masters that have had to do with Earth and the evolution of what we would call humanity 
are Master M or El Moria and Master R, the being we know as Saint Germain. Those are the mm. two most, by far, those are the two most prolific ascended masters that keep in reincarnating and they work with each other endlessly, 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 endlessly. And in fact, one was one was King Arthur and one was Merlin, by the way. Mm. So, okay. Now, can the question is, can an ascended master lose themselves and the ego? No, 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 not really. Okay. So because of their, uh, because of what they are, um, their level of their their level of self awareness is 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 undeniable, uh, because the self is so profound that it's it's undeniable. Now, they can certainly struggle getting that getting that alignment, right? But they're also uh, they're also wise enough to during their incarnation they will often have encounters with with their brothers and sisters with the other ascended masters. Right. And that will kind of be the energetic wake up. You know, yeah. don't you know, don't you know who you are? Uh, you know, get it together, get it together. So they often will line things up that way to make sure because they're they're The work that they do is so vital. I mean, they are the teachers of humanity. They are the timeless teachers of humanity. So they'll they'll put these encounters in an incarnation. And like I said, they often meet each other. During incarnations, it doesn't mean they, you know, live with each other, but they often meet each other during the incarnations, and they often will play the role like Sri Yukteswar was El Moria, which is the which is the guru for Paramahansa Yogananda. Those are both ascended masters, but it was really Sri Yukteswar for for Paramahansa. I mean, he did this for Paramahansa. Wake up, my son! Right, so that was his guru. So this hap this happens all all the time. It's you know, can they have they if it's possible, it exists. But these are the we're talking about exceptions when we talk about ascended masters. Right. Can they have an incarnation where they don't wake up? It I, I would say that only if it serves a very specific purpose, which is still evolving humanity, would that ever occur. So in other words, by them not waking up, they're still being a timeless teacher of humanity, which sounds like a weird answer, but it's true. For the most part, they wake up. They absolutely wake up. Now they might not have, they might not have full access to let's say all of their incarnations uh only if it's required and necessary for them to fulfill their specific life plan in that incarnation right. and if it's required they'll get access to whatever is required but if it's not required in an incarnation they'll probably have an understanding that they're that there's some kind of a master but they might not be able to see oh you know i was this 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 because it's not required some incarnations, the the um, let's say the the challenge that they give themselves or the role that they're going to play for humanity in that lifetime requires them to understand various incarnations that they have. Then they'll they'll have access to it, and oftentimes, like I said, other ascent they will meet other incarnate ascended masters to help them in that process. And there is, and I don't know if we talked about this, and then I'll then I'll stop. There are five no, incarnate. Don't. There are five incarnate ascended masters right now. Oh no! Pause. Say it again. There's five incarnate. <clears throat> yeah, there's there's five incarnate ascended masters right now, but only two of them know who they are. The other the other three have no idea who they are, and most likely, what it's always felt like to me, as those these other two incarnate masters who know who they are and who know each other, uh, as their incarnation gets closer and closer to the end of the incarnation, <clears throat> these other three ascended masters will start to wake up. So humanity is never bereft 
of these of these timeless teachers. And like I said, they they often work together uh, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, whether it's directly and constantly or they have met each other and they have a correspondence and they and they help and they help one another. Mm, There's five now, but only two know who and what they are. And are they just spread throughout the world? Yeah, for the most part. Now, the three, well, the, the three of them are, are located in uh, larger Asia. The three that haven't woken up. Mm. <clears throat> uh, the other two are not, uh, I mean, one, one is in the United States, one is in the UK. And these are, these are masters that have woken up. They know who and what they are, and they, they know of each other, and they, they talk to each other. So how, that's so fast, so interesting, the spread. So when things, so let, when we look at what's happening in the world right now, and it feels very chaotic, but it also just feels like, you know, having gone from the pandemic into this into now like physical stuff happening where it all feels like it's erupting. Is there, and this is such a basic dumb question, but like, is there a grand plan or is this just, do you know what I mean? Or is this like just human nature finding itself out? It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual and energetic detox. I mean, that's really what's happening in yeah. order to, in order to move past where we are at in terms of our own evolution and, and ascending the frequencies, everything that has been hidden must come to light. So in order to get this, reduce it down for me to very human perspective, uh, if we're not feeling well, we do a, de a detox, right? It's, it's messy, right? That detox is yeah. messy, right? Okay, okay. Well, that's what's going on. That's all. It's a detox. All this stuff that's been buried and kept from us slaves, all that's been buried, been going on behind the scenes, the agenda, control, all these kind of things, it's all coming to the light. So all this low frequency density is all coming up, right? And the only way that we can move past where we're at is to understand where we're at, what's been going on. And that's all that's, that's, all that's happening. The key is to be detached, not get caught up. Uh, on, uh, of what's appearing within the green screen of your consciousness. This is just the 21st century. This is just the background that all of us chose to incarnate into for us to experience ourselves in relation to what is happening. So if you simply don't get caught up in it, it's absolutely no big deal because it's just background. Now, if you identify with it, you're going to torture yourself. If you don't identify with it, you're like, this is just a detox. That's all this is. It's no problem. That's why detachment... We talked about before, Tao, detachment is king and queen. I can't say that enough because without that, you never actually experience yourself directly and yourself is immortal. It's invincible. It knows everything. So until you're in contact with that through detachment, we will suffer every single thing right. that goes on within the green screen of our consciousness. And what about those who are like directly involved, like experiencing Whatever. And it doesn't matter. I'm taking zero sides here because there are none. Anyone who's directly involved, how do they detach? Well, the ones that are directly <laughs> involved often don't detach. They're very, they're adhered to their role that they're playing. So uh, most of the time we don't, from my perspective, we don't work with ourselves optimally so we can get some kind of perspective in terms of how we're operating and the role that we're playing. Mm. And then how can we expand this? How can we do better with this? How can we work more holistically? excuse me, with ourselves and with each other in the environment. So all the world's a stage, as Francis Bacon said, who was Shakespeare. So everyone is just playing a role. They're just playing a character. Now, the issue from my perspective is the, when we lose ourselves in the role, 
right? Just like the painter is not the painting. But if we lose ourselves in what it is that we created, which is this character, then we're going to lose all perspective. And then it becomes very difficult to, to spontaneously or intuitively make adjustments that would enhance the incarnation and the effects of the incarnation, not just for ourselves, but for each other. Mm. Um, some of the, the, the people that are playing the bad guys were the good guys in other, in other lifetimes. And the people playing the good guys were the bad guys in other lifetimes. It's just, it's just a show. It's just a game. It's playtime. And I mean that. Well, all I mean, around, I feel like it has to, because what some people would deem the bad guys, other people deem the good guys and yeah. those who deem the good guys deem them the bad guy. I mean, that's what's yeah. so fascinating. I think about what's happening now is the same descriptions and arguments yeah. coming from one side. You could literally take those exact words and put them in the other mouths. And it's the same. Everyone has the same beliefs, just using a different part of the argument. If we, if we can start to look at the analogy that I often use is uh, <clears throat> a lion right? A predator, mm -hmm. shark, a lion. I mean, there's tons of predators, but stick with lion, right? So a lion, right? Is a lion evil or is it just hungry? Is a lion angry when it's chasing down the gazelle or whatever, or is it just hungry? Mm. Right? Uh, lions are incredible. Yes, I mean, all life is incredible, but they're, they're majestic. They are, they're, they're almost unreal. They're mesmerizing, right? Are they evil? Well, of course they're not evil. There's no such thing as evil. There's low frequency and high frequency. That's metaphysics. That's tangible without, without question. Good and evil. That's, that's a, that's a production yes, within the conditioned mind. Now there are some beings, entities that are predatory in nature. That's just how they are. Now, the lower frequencies, that's, that's, where, that's what and where they prey on the lower frequencies. Can you but talk about that more? Even, like yeah. when you say beings, do you mean, like, is it certain souls also are predatory? predatory oh my God, why can't I say the word? In nature? And no. so every time they incarnate, it's going to, okay, so open that up a little bit. It's just a way for a soul, uh, a fractal of God to learn about itself by working with specific energies and playing certain roles. It's, it's so it's only about... in the incarnation. It's not in nature beyond. No. Okay. no. So it's when they're heavily identified with the incarnation, whether that's human or alien, and then the way that they're going to operate in, the, in, in that incarnation. Like the, the soul of a lion is not a predator. The lion has, predat has a, a predatory nature to it when it's incarnate as a lion. Right. But just like there's no soul that's masculine or feminine, right? That only happens all the way when we incarnate to the lower frequencies and we have the subject object paradigm and the energies are so dense that we get, we can get this uh, experience of left, right, up, down, good, bad, this, that, masculine, feminine. No soul is masculine or feminine, right? No soul is actually uh, a predator. Now, there are some souls that are um, confused. There's no doubt about that. Some souls are very confused as to who and what they really are. There's no question about that. They've forgotten that they're love. They have forgotten that they're love, and they, and they just keep kind of operating in sort of the same way. They're, they've, they've just forgotten who and what they really are. But make no mistake that who and what we really are, it's all God. But we are given the opportunity to get confused because we all get to evolve in our own way and in our own time. God loves us so uncondi unconditionally that it would never interfere. 
Mm. Never, ever, ever. And this, this relates to what a human being is. So the human beings are an experiment. They're the grand, if you ask me, they are the grand experiment. They are the experiment in individualized free will, which means they get to evolve in their own way and in their own time. And the idea behind it, the very beginning of this idea had to do with that we would exponentially evolve ourselves. We would all ascend the frequencies because we could, we have the opportunity to work with ourselves optimally through the individual free will project that everyone gets to evolve in their own way in their own time. So God that created this multiverse and everything that's in this multiverse, other than the ascended masters is also obsessed with its own evolution. Mm. It's obsessed with its own evolution. And so the individualized free will project portends the greatest evolution and efficacy of consciousness itself that we all get to evolve in our own way and in our own time. And I am just as obsessed with that as God, which is why I like to come here and assist in these things, because I feel the exact same way. When we start to work with ourselves optimally, we start doing this backward triple somersault and we keep nailing it over and over and over again, no matter how challenging things are here. This is how to evolve with the greatest efficacy possible. So all, all that to be said, this is, this is an experiment and it's an experiment that succeeds. For those that are worried about what's going to happen, don't worry about what's going to happen. It's already happened. It's a grand success. It's just what perspective are you viewing what's going on? Mm. If, you're, if you're viewing it from a collapsed consciousness and a constriction of energy and you're identifying with your suit, you may think that uh, this is the end of the world. If you're viewing it from your own higher mind and seeing the playing field and what's actually going on, you're actually clapping your hands because this is exactly what's supposed to happen. The detox is happening. People are waking up. The, the quote unquote, the bad guys are scurrying around because they don't know what to do anymore because anything they're doing isn't really working anymore because we're too self-aware. We're becoming too aware and the old tricks don't work. They work less. The black magic works less and less and less. Now, some of the black magic will always work on certain people because it's supposed to, but it's working less and less and less. And that's really what the ascension is. As we start to move into a higher state of consciousness, we understand ourselves better. We understand each other better. We understand the holistic nature of the environment. And we start to, arc, we start to operate in a way that doesn't just benefit the individual. It benefits the individual and the collective simultaneously and in the same way. And that, to me, is the, is the fully realized human being. When you say black magic, what do you mean by that? Do you mean, <laughs> well, you know me, I'll pick up on everything. Do you mean yeah. individuals specifically using energy in the negative way because they have yeah. the power? Or do you mean, go ahead, so open up that a little bit. Okay, so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of black magic here. I mean, everything here is a cult. If people don't know that, they, they just, they haven't looked deeply enough. Everything here is a cult. Uh, the the we'll say we'll call them the uh, the elite or whatever word you want to use. They're obsessed. They're obsessed with magic. They all they all want to be Moses. They all want to be Merlin. Which which by the way is the same. So uh, they all want to be Moses. They all Saint Germain and Merlin. They so desperately want to be able to do magic like that. That but the only thing they can do because they're operating in a very low frequency way is to do black magic. Mm. So in other words, it's it so. Black magic is the manipulation and commanding of energies that lie outside of physical sensory perception for the benefit of the one or the few at the expense of others. The supreme white magic is the opposite of that. Now, magic is always the accessing and utilization of energies that lie outside of physical sensory perception, but white magic is used for liberation, for the benefit of the one doing the magic and for everyone else. Right? So energy is just energy. I mean, it's just, it's just energy. It's, it's the intention behind it. 
and the planet in terms of all these things that are going on, they're obsessed with black magic rituals, satanic rituals. I mean, I mean, let's let's be real about this. This is what's going on. It's all for this. It's it's all for this grasping of power that they and, and control that they don't really have. And it all it all stems from and if if if, if you want to go there, I'll go there. You can edit it out. It all stems from it all stems from Lucifer. It, it absolutely does, because Lucifer was one of the three beings that was assigned the initial creation of humanity. Hmm. And the idea, as I said, the idea behind it is that humanity could evolve through the individualized free will project. It would skyrocket. It would ascend the frequencies, which is why I call my company ascend, ascend the frequencies, right? I'm still obsessed with it. So now, once, once Lucifer realized that we could also descend the frequencies, like the fall of Atlantis, right? Once, once it was possible that we wouldn't just ascend, that we could also descend. He did not share that information because he wanted the experiment to go forward because he is obsessed with the lower frequencies. He's like a, he's like a, a brilliant child. <laughs> he's like, and I mean it. He's like a brilliant child. And so he didn't share this information, so we booted him. So he, Lucifer has had nothing to do with this realm ever since you met, just so you know. Lucifer has had nothing to do with this realm. The people that are Lucifer, they have, they're so clueless, it's unbelievable to me. But anyway, so he didn't share this information. Now, you and I wouldn't even be having this conversation if it wasn't for Lucifer. We wouldn't be exploring the minutia of the lower frequencies if it wasn't right. for him not sharing this information. So the darkness always serves the light. The I was going to really say, so does. ultimately, was it a good thing? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because we're exploring the minutiae of the multiverse. We're learning things about ourselves that we could never learn if he, if he, you know, he thought he was being tricky and not telling us what was going on. But as soon as we found out, we, we, we kicked him off. And he has, he has not been here since. He's, he's not allowed here. And he really is. He operates like an ascended master that hasn't grown up. It's a very powerful soul, entity, whatever word, being, whatever word you want to use. But is just obsessed with the lower frequencies, the tangibility, the physicality, materialism, right? And now take a look at our planet, right? What's held up is the ideal is just that, right? Right? Okay. It it comes it comes from that. It absolutely it absolutely comes from that. But it's all part of it's all part of the human experiment, which is like I said, is the experiment in individualized free will because it pretends the greatest efficacy in, of, of the evolution of consciousness. And when we all that matters is that when we work with ourselves optimally, we are evolving with the greatest greatest efficacy, and that is what God wants. That's actually what we all want. Now, our ego mind identity might not have access to anything of what I'm talking about <laughs> or, or any tangible any tangible felt sense knowingness of what I'm saying, but all of us are here to evolve, to know thyself, self-realization, to know thyself. That's what all of this is about. That's what all this is about. And the key from my perspective is that when we work with ourself optimally, that is exactly what is happening. Consciousness is evolving with the greatest efficacy possible. Mm. And for me, what else is there? Oh, it's so interesting because one of the things you say in your book that goes to that, but in a slightly different way, is if you're helping someone or something because ultimately you feel that it's broken versus just doing something of service, like that to me kind of blew my mind a little bit because it's so simple. And I think it goes a lot to what you're saying is it's such a 
ding, like alarm bell of operating from the ego mind identity. Yeah, hel helping and fixing. If you're if you're if your idea is to help everyone, it's because you have a deep rooted belief that life is weak. Yeah, and needs help. No, it's not. If you're if you're driven by the belief, the concept. And those are just beliefs and concepts, not what is. If you're driven by the belief and concept that uh, things need fixing, you have a deep-rooted belief that things are broken. Well, it's not. It is not. This is all conditioned mind. It's all ego-mind identity. That's what the helping and fixing is ego-mind, which is very difficult for uh, spiritual teachers and this to hear that. The key is service. Yes. To be in service. Now, when you're in even when you say help, fix, and serve, Help, you definitely get tired and burnt out. Oh. Fixing at a certain point, you're like, I can't do it anymore. But serving, endless. Endless. Because you're just being yourself and you're just offering up more and more of yourself, which can never run out. And then there's a detachment yeah. of expectation of what yeah. things are supposed to look like or be. Correct. Now, if you're always present, there's no way to have an expectation because you're always in the present moment. Hmm. And that's the key. If, well, one of the keys, if, if you ask me, because people, RJ, how do you not get, uh, um, you know, when you're doing a healing or whatever it is, how are you not like focused on them getting better? I said, if I focus on something outside of now, then I'm limiting the efficacy of what I'm doing in the moment. So I would mm -hmm. never do that. Why would I do that? I want to be fully present now and be fully present in the next now and be fully present. In the, you get the picture. I won't keep doing that. You want to be, <laughs> you want to be fully, fully present. Now, if you're jumping to look for an end result, you're out of the now. You've lost your power. You've lost your love. You've lost your wisdom. You've lost your tenderness, your forgiveness. You've lost everything. And if you're willing to lose everything, you've let your, you've let your ego mind identity rob you of who and what you really are. So the key is to be present. The whole time be present. Give all of yourself. It, it can't run out. The, the love and the wisdom and the talents and the abilities don't run out. So service is the key. Stop helping and stop fixing. Don't even, I mean, do whatever you want. That when, we start to, when, we, when we start to understand where that comes from, if we investigate helping and fixing, we start to think that, well, things are weak and things are broken. They are not. They absolutely are not. Whatever someone is going through, by the way, it's because they need to. Because they need to. There's something within that experience that they need to have. Who are we to rob someone of the experience that they have set up in their life plan? Oh my God, I got to help them. I got to fix it. You do? Why? Why are you inserting yourself into that? That is your ego mind. And Complete. why? It's so interesting. Why do we, and so many of us, and I'll speak for myself too, have that. And it was so illuminating reading those words because it was that moment of like, oh shit. Like even I can see myself do it with my daughter. Sometimes I see myself do it with my partner. He calls me out on it, but it's, it is that idea where I was like, oh, that's so awful. I never want to see anybody as broken. That's not where I come from. But then the idea that that's what I was doing. It, it, it's, it's really, from my perspective, it's interesting because more evolved souls are compelled and impelled to, to try to help. I'll use the word help and to try to fix. Okay. Uh, all that means is that this natural impulse, this natural impulse of our love and wisdom and our compassion is simply getting hijacked by the ego mind. That, that's all. So the, the character of Tao or whoever, you know, whatever, the character got a hold of that, 
right? And all their shoulds and should nots. And I mean, I'm supposed to, no, the impulse is true. The impulse is pure. Okay. But we can't allow it to get hijacked by personhood. Does that, does that make sense? When yeah. I say it that way? Keep going yeah. on it though. It's, it's really good. Yeah. So if, if the character isn't there, then we're going to be in a state of service and creativity endlessly without trying, without trying. Now, helping and fixing is exhausting and people get burnt and people get burnt out. That's because the natural impulse to share love and wisdom got hijacked by personhood. So if we don't allow that to happen, how do we do that? RJ? By being present. If you're present, you're never looking for a result. You're never looking for a result. When we're doing something creative, are we trying to jump to the end while we're being creative? Are we engrossed, engaged, and engulfed what we're doing in the moment? There's no looking for the end result. You're in the act of creativity. That's what service is. Hmm. And you don't get burnt out from that. And when I first started doing work, as RJ, is uh, all of my, my first 50, 100 clients were massage therapists, energy workers. Uh, I Burns mean, out. they, oh, and their energy field was destroyed. And all of them, I have to help. I have to fix. I have to, I go, you got to take care of yourself. That's actually what you have to do. Your ego mind has gotten so out of control because your natural compulsion to, to be of service has gotten hijacked and you're destroying yourself because you, you're, you're not doing it in a nurturing way because you're not doing service. And then they get confused about, well, then can I charge? But you have, there has to be an energy exchange. You absolutely have to charge people. Otherwise you'll, in 20 hours, you'll be burnt out, right? So there has to be this energy exchange, but it has to come from the true self. And when it comes from the true self, you, learn, you will also intuitively know when to shut it off went to stop. It's like, no, nah, I just need to rest. Right. Well, I was just about to ask you that. So the, the ego mind, because it, because it quantifies its existence through productivity because of the slave mentality can never do enough. I, RJ, I can't help enough people. I can't serve enough people. I said, you have to wake up. You don't count in any of that. Where are you in this equation? Where is your liberation in this equation? Notice that everything is about somebody else. That's how you know it's your ego mind. The number one priority is liberation. And then everything flows from that. Wow. And if we, if we start to operate that way, that the helping and the fixing will be gone. There will be service to the one self within us all. And talk about, I know I'm keeping you on forever, but talk about the <laughs> difference of liberation and uh, what's the word? I hate using the word selfishness, but like talk about that balance of in moments choosing liberation and being present for yourself and not necessarily uh, worrying about others around you. Does that question make sense? Yeah. Well, if the focus is on others and the effect upon others, there will be no liberation. There will be no self-realization. There will self-mastery is not a moving target that lies outside of the self. So we're focusing on anyone anyone it doesn't matter who it is if we're focusing on them there is no liberation we focus on our, what is the when we're on a plane and they say the thing uh, the yeah oxygen the, mask right that's it there you go right 
So if we're not liberated, authentically, we may think we're liberated. If we're not authentically liberated, then what is it that we're really sharing other than our own conditioning? So have you ever woken up the morning that you're supposed to have a talk and you're just like, it's not happening today? I think only twice that I wasn't feeling well. Only, only twice. When, once all, your, all the garbage is out of the way, it's, it's very easy from my perspective. <laughs> once, once all the garbage is gone, it's very easy to just follow your intention. It's very, it's very easy. So uh, uh, I feel it's vital for human beings not to um, justify, give themselves a juicy justification, because the ego mind identity is the justification for everything, uh, for not following through. So if we want to develop the indomitable will, we never give a justification as to why we didn't follow through on what we said we would do. So for me, I make a big deal about that in my classes and courses, and I teach, I give exercises and protocols to actually strengthen the will. Because every time, let me say it this way too. Every time we have an intention to do something, we make a promise to ourselves. I'm going to clean the garage today. It doesn't really matter. We don't have to make it some grand. I've made that one before. <laughs> right. I'm going to I'm going to clean the garage today. I'm going to I'm going to, whatever the hell it is. I'm going to rake the. That's recently the made my list, actually. <laughs> there you go. Right. Okay. So, and I'm and I mean in a very human way, right? I'm going to do this on Friday, whatever the hell it is, right? And then Friday shows up, whatever, and you're like, uh, you know what, I've. I'm just tired. I should just rest or, or you know what? It's not that big. Okay. These little defeats and listen to what I'm saying carefully. Yeah. These little defeats to your will add up. And then by the time you have a big challenge, you'll already be defeated. It is so important to follow through on everything that we say that we're going to do. I don't care what it is, raking the leaves, I'm talking about very human, quote unquote, small things, right? Not liberate humanity, just very human things. Follow through. This is how you strengthen your will. We use our will for everything. So it only stands to reason if we want to create the life that we most desire for ourselves, we have to strengthen our will because we use our will for everything. So if you keep allowing these little defeats through the justifications of your, of your, of your pattern, subconscious, egoic mind, when you're actually faced with a real challenge, you'll already be defeated because you're so used to capitulating. So how? Don't, do, yeah, don't capitulate. How do you balance that with the you know really making sure you're of service of self and being true to yourself, like what we were just talking about, like help for service. And I know sometimes it's just for ourselves, but like how do you? What if you are really tired? What if? it doesn't fit in? Or what if you're like, you know what, I really should take a walk instead of cleaning. I know you think you need to clean the garage, but you know, do you really need to clean the garage or is being out in nature going to be better for you today? So how do you then balance all of that? We, we kind of know the true self, not the ego mind doesn't know anything. It's completely bankrupt, which is why it just wants more and more information because it doesn't know anything. The I am already knows everything. So if we can follow intuitively, so let's say we, 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 we say, well, we'll stick with Clean the garage. The garage. <laughs> okay. So if we it's say a metaphor for our entire life, so it's good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so if we say, okay, on Friday, I'm going to clean the garage. Now, when you say that to yourself, if you already know you're running on fumes, then don't make that, don't make that the goal. If you already know, man, I, I, I'm beat. I really got to relax. Come this weekend, starting Friday on Friday. Push it. Right. So 
we know intuitively, we don't want to set ourselves up for something that we already know that I really need to rest. So this is what I mean about being present. So we're aware of ourselves, And then when we set, when we're developing our will, which is by following through on all the little things, perfection is the mastering of little things. That's how it works. And so is so strengthening your will by never going back against your word, no matter what the circumstance is. So if we know already, then don't make that. Instead of saying, I'm going to clean it on Friday, then say Saturday. So again, like we started this conversation with, it goes back to the source. It's yeah. like, if you start it from a pure place, then you don't have to worry. It's all about where you started. So if you're kind of bringing in, if you're identifying with it somewhere in the middle, then the whole system's just gotten hijacked. But if you, yeah. if it starts from the source, again, just like with manifestation, then the whole thing runs smoothly. And that's when don't take yourself out of it in the middle of the yeah. system. Yeah, exactly. Magic. And that magic is just to pretend that you just arrived here. No past, no future. Sorry. I think my dog walker was here knocking on the door. That's so okay. go ahead. So say that again, a remedy for this. The, rem the remedy for this is, is, it's the same remedy for everything, magic. Now, magic is higher consciousness metaphysics. So if we don't know where to start, right, we're caught up, right, just do a magic trip. Pretend you just arrived here, no past, no future. That brings you back to who and what you really are. Now move on your highest excitement. What are you most passionate to do now? And it could be rest. Or it could be clean the garage. Or it could be write a book. Or whatever. What if someone struggles with no past, no future? Pretend their two eyes are not connected to their brain. Mm, right. I like that one. Or say to yourself, I don't know and I don't care. It empties the mental container and the emotional container. Endless it, amounts of magic tricks, Tal. I know. One of my favorite <laughs> things I think about it all the time is when you just did it on the podcast last time and you kept doing it while we were talking. You just kept going mm. like this. And, I, and for those who are listening and not watching, he like takes his hand from above and he brings it down. Nothing crazy, but because he does it and I'm literally like, Ugh. like under your spell, I love it. It's lovely. Yeah, that, that is, uh, yeah, and, and we can all do this for ourselves, right? You don't have to, you know, ask RJ to do it. We all do this for ourselves. Just imagine water draining from a bathtub or water mm. draining from a pool, but whatever. So water going down and then do that for yourself with your energy. The energy that's stuck in your mental body, just let it drop down like water draining from a bathtub. Mm. And now there's no energy in your head. Let it keep going. Let the energy, let the water keep draining all the way down. All the way down. Till it sits just beneath the belly button above the groin. That's it. And then proceed from that space. My vision literally got cloudy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, the, the magic tricks are so simple, so immediate, so tangible, so effective, because they are enlightened higher consciousness metaphysics. Because the truth is simple, and it's tangible, and it's immediate. And that's how you know you're working with the truth. If it's some long-winded process, heavy on the mentalization and emotionalization, that's not self-mastery. That's not the truth. That's someone grasping for it. So someone doesn't have to sit and meditate for an hour and a half every day. Have to? No. So I want humanity to move from the idea of making meditation something that the ego mind identity does so it could check a box, so it can announce to itself and anyone else, hey, 
I meditate. I meditated an hour and a half today. <laughs> so what I, what I would like for humanity is to be in perpetual meditation. And then if you get out of whack for an hour and a half out of the day, that's okay. Because the other 22, how many hours? <laughs> the other 22 and a half hours, we've been present. So it, from my perspective, it, it needs to be put on its head. Not an hour and a half of meditation and 22 and a half hours of uh, our ego mind. Other way around. Just be present. And then take the beingness, who you are is now online, beingness into doingness, beingness into doingness. Don't bring your conditioned mind into it at all. Now we're in it. Now life is meditation because life is meditation. You are meditation. The self is meditation. The self exists before there's a thought. So I think therefore I am. Descartes is a moron, an absolute <laughs> moron. And I've told him an absolute moron. It's one of the worst things anyone has ever said. Not I think therefore I am. The I am is already there that produces thought. I think. Right. So we make and our therefore life. I think. Right. We make meditation our life by being present, the beingness online, the beingness into the doingness. And then it's okay if we if the character gets triggered and freaks out over something. And then we come right back to being present and flowing. So I want it, uh, you know, my desire for humanity is that to be completely flipped on its head. No more people, they're like, hey, RJ, I meditated for an hour today. I'm like, who cares? They're like, How, why would you? Yeah, they're like, what do we mean? Why, why would you say that? I can't. They meditated for an hour. That means your ego mind identity did it. And they're like, right. oh my god, oh. I'm like, be present. If you get triggered, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Come back to the present. Being this into the doing this. Being this into the doing. Now your life becomes meditate. Your life will become a joy, a and every single facet of your life will 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 improve in ways that are unimaginable. Oh, well, on that is a perfect way to end. We've covered so much and I have so much more to cover. So I'd love to talk to you about getting you back on because I didn't even ask a single question per usual that I came here to ask you. Um, but people should know your, where did I put it? I had it right here. Oh, your new, newish now. It's been out for a while. Change Your Mind book is amazing and really does. It is a play by play, step by step, how to help let go of this ego of mine. And you always say that was like the first thing you really did after being paralyzed because people always ask, but how did you start the process? And you always said, oh, well, I had to detach from my egoic mind and this is actually how you did it. And it's not easy though. I know for you, I love you. Like you could do it in a weekend, <laughs> but like for yeah. some people it might take longer, um, but it is amazing. Um, and you're incredible. And I oh. love when you and I get to speak because I never know where it's going to go. And I just enjoy conversing with you so much and learning from you. Likewise, likewise. You're, you're a joy, Tal. I enjoy our conversation. You ask fantastic questions and you ask questions that are not typical. You ask questions that are not typical, which I like, because quite frankly, I've been interviewed a lot. So, all, right. I mean, you know, so oftentimes I get the same questions. I'm uninspired because I'm answering the same questions and you don't operate that way, which is why it's a joy for me. So thank you very much. Oh, I appreciate you're, that. Because you get into the flow of what's going on is why you ask such good questions. Was I detaching from my ego, mind identity? <laughs> yeah, you're, we're engaged. We're engaged. And that's why the, what you, um, your plan to ask XYZ questions didn't come to fruition because they, they didn't fit into the moment and you're wise enough not to impose it no. upon the flow that is happening, which is why I enjoy conversing with you as well. Well, let's do it again. Let's not sure. wait as long this time. Congratulations on all your moves. And um, I know you have a workshop coming up in February, correct? Yeah. So in February, person. in person, uh, there's one thing to take a course 
the energetic transmission that happens through a live course with me, it is nothing, nothing compared to in person. I like to say it's warmest next to the fire. So I'm doing a, an in-person event in San Diego on February 23rd, 24th, 25th. We're talking about roughly 15 hours of teaching, teachings that most human beings have never heard. We're going to be meditating together. I discuss things that I don't discuss in my books when we work, when we work uh, in person. And it's a life-changing event. And I hope everyone avails himself of the opportunity before I exit this body to come and uh, have an in-person experience. So in San Diego, February 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Mm, thank you so much for everything that you do. We'll talk soon. Thank you, sweetheart. Bye.